Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, as much as like getting the Genesis 3 message is a little bit of a downer, I'm still excited to share that with you guys this morning. Um, so just a kind of a heads up of where we're, where we're headed here. Um, if you look at the entire kind of story of the Bible, um, it can really be very accurately depicted through uh, like what, how we learned stories play themselves out in like middle school, high school English class. So if you, if you want to go back there with me, you remember there's like the beginning is the exposition or introduction where we see uh, the, the, the world is created um, or you get the character plot or you get to introduce yourself to what's ha- going to happen in the story. We see that in scripture as well. Genesis 1 and 2, we have the creation. Things are good. Uh, God says the only thing that's not good is for man to be alone, but every, everything that he's created is good and sometimes even very good. And uh, there's this perfect kind of setting to take place, but there's still a large chunk of pages to go. So we know that something else has to happen, right? And in Genesis 3, that's where we see the crisis or the problem introduced. Um, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, and we're especially just going to kind of lean into the idea that not only only did this, this sin into the world or did this crisis into the world in Genesis 3, you know, however long ago you think that happened um, that then, but it also is kind of happening over and over today as well. Um, and so I, I just want to encourage each one of us to, to come into this message kind of with an, with an open heart or to be uh, ready to maybe uh, experience maybe how scripture and what the story is from long ago is still maybe a part of our lives, how we can relate to it. But also here's, here's the big idea, here's the kicker at the end, and uh, here's where you can start brainstorming your video later after you get this, is that uh, God's been providing for a solution for us from the beginning. So we think about that, go back to that plot arc, that plot narrative, there is the crisis, there's some rising action, climax, falling action, and then there's also a resolution at the end of, of how general, in general stories go, and God's been providing this solution from the beginning. And uh, I think we'll see that together here. Um, but I want to ask this question, would anybody be so bold as to, uh, you could raise your hand or just nod at me, um, but just to say, uh, I am aware if, you're, uh, if you've read Genesis 3, you've heard a message or something before, you know this is where, uh, like I said, sin happens for the first time, the disobedience towards God happens for the first time. Would anybody say like, well, if only it was me instead of Adam and Eve, like this whole thing would have still been going great? No? Okay, just a more arrogant version of myself. Got it. All right. Um, no, I, I, I jokingly say for like two seconds, um, like the first, I remember like the first time that I kind of uh, came into a relationship with the Lord, really had my eyes open to the truth of scripture and, and how good God was and how much he had given me and, and just how like much I wanted to obey his commands at the time. Like if you can kind of remember back to a time, maybe that's now for you or maybe that's a long time ago, whatever it be, but if you could remember back to that time, like there was a moment where I thought like, gosh, how could anybody disobey God? Like, it, all this is so great, right? 
And then I realized that like every day I do. <laughs> so like this happens, you know, on a regular basis. So no, I would not be the one that would save the day if it was me instead of Adam. Um, but I think for each one of us, there's kind of this, this cycle that I'm going to kind of show us in the beginning of Genesis chapter three. And I just kind of, uh, bear with me here. Think about this for your second, for a second in your own life. Um, I think we see that there is a cycle, what I've titled the sin cycle, of temptation, sin, shame, and consequences. Temptation, sin, shame, consequences. And uh, again, we'll see that play out here in just a minute, but I want you to take a moment just to process in your own life um, in the ways that you maybe have seen that cycle be true for you and that um, temptation itself is not sin. Uh, but it opens the door for us in to walk into sin. Uh, and when we do, there's typically, maybe not every time, but a lot of times there's an immediate kind of shame, a guilt that happens, and then there's some sort of consequence, whether it be um, a, a broken relationship, whether it be uh, just a, a, a painful moment for you. Maybe you've got to apologize to somebody, or maybe there's just, even like on the most basic level, there's just an increased separation between you and God. Uh, like there's this distance that's been created because of this sin in my life that I know I need to get right um, not that we've, you know, been farther away from salvation or any of that, but that, you know, I just need to kind of, I need, I need to repent from this. I need to ask forgiveness from this. I need to confess this so that I can kind of restore this relationship. Um, and so and we have these consequences to the end. And, and I think that ha- that happens for each of us, but there's, there is redemption. And, and that's the great thing that God's provided that for us. So uh, enough of me kind of laying the foundation. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bible or one of those Genesis books, um, please open up. It's also going to be on the screen here. Uh, we're just going to read and kind of point out some things as we go here in the beginning of Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, right off the bat here, so uh, we'll see kind of one of uh, Satan's or one of the serpent's kind of regular tactics that he's still using today. It hasn't changed. The playbook has not changed a whole lot. He's going to use an oversimplification of something that God said to really question if God's word is true. Notice how he says, uh, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, that's not true. Like flat out, that's just a lie. God did not say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden. And and Eve's going to reply immediately, no, we can eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. But this happens for us regularly. This is part of that, that temptation stage of the sin cycle that, that there is an o- maybe an oversimplification for us that, that then points out or that we gloss over the really the specific thing that is sinful and we kind of just start to question if God's word is true for us because there's this, uh, this generalization that's happening in our, in our minds or in like kind of the whisper to us. It might sound something like this. Um, did God say... Did God really say that you should feel terrible about uh, your, your anxiety or your, uh, your depression or your, uh, the, whatever's happening in your life? Did God really say that you should feel terrible about that? This is just kind of a, an example. Like, like, no, God didn't say that we should have additional shame about those things. He, he gives us uh, an opportunity to work through them, to work our way out of them, gives us uh, resources for that. But God didn't say that we should feel terrible about them, but that kind of gets that sin cycle going of, I don't know if God, what did God say? Is that real? 
Uh, did God say that we shouldn't be successful? This is something that like, I think about a lot. Like, like, did God say that we shouldn't really try for, for things in the world that make us happy? Like, not necessarily. God said that he wanted us to do things out of a faithful obedience to him, but that could lead you into a quote-unquote successful life whatever that may look like. We just did a podcast about uh, our church's value of being whole and what that looks like to be fully surrendered to God and everything that we have. And, and yet there's kind of this uh, generalization of like, well, did God say that I could have like, like good things? Um, because sometimes we kind of get in this rut of like, oh, I don't know if I should have that or I don't know if this is right or whatever because I, you know, maybe I'm supposed to have this like impoverished lifestyle or something because I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and so that's just this kind of oversimplification, this generalization that we might be tempted with to ignore like, no, I'm actually just being disobedient in this one specific area. Um, and again, so uh, another example, did God really say that you shouldn't have that? Kind of goes along the lines with that last example as well. Again, it's just this oversimplification that we kind of get whispered um, and that we are missing what's actually uh, where is sinful, kind of getting this broad brush over it. All right, let's keep going. Uh, there's two more here that, that Satan's going to try to use or serpent's going to try to use on Eve that is, is, a, is a pretty typical one for us as well. Uh, so she said, no, we can eat of any tree, uh, just can't eat the one in the middle. And, uh, and immediately say, uh, the serpent replies, you will certainly not die. Again, so we have him, he questions God's word, now he's going to question God's authority. Certainly you won't die. Even though God said that, certainly that's not what's going to happen. Um, certainly if you were just to try that, you're not going to do it again. You're not going to become addicted. You could just try it once. Certainly this won't matter to anyone else. This isn't going to affect the, the relationships or anyone outside of you. This is just for you. And, and certainly this won't cause relational divide between you and God. Like these are kind of the things that, again, Satan wants to challenge in us or just kind of whisper to us to, to tempt us. Uh, along the same way that he did with Eve in the garden. Um, and he wants to ask the question, wants to challenge the question, will what God said is to come true, will it actually happen? And is, is God's word, is God's authority trustworthy? If he's got us to uh, questioning God's word, if he's got us questioning God's authority, now he's going to come in with his final uh, challenge here to Eve. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. See, God doesn't know what's best for you. God just wants to hold the power to himself. God just doesn't want you to be on the same level as him. God just wants to, uh, you know, on and on it could go, and you know what's best for you, right? You know what's best for you. It's right in front of you. You could just take it for yourself, like it's right there. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to uh, pray about this. There's no reason to uh, try to act out of obedience. Like, it's good. It's right there in front of you. Just take it. Or, or maybe it sounds like this. Um, that just sounds too hard. It sounds too hard to be obedient in that area. Um, you don't really need to do that. Just do what you want to do. Just do what feels good to you. Like that's, that's just kind of, you know, how we're, we're whispered to, how we're tempted in the same way that Eve is tempted in the garden. It's the same playbook Satan's been using for however, like thousands, millions, however long <laughs> you think the earth's kind of been around. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, but um, it's the same cycle that's going on. That's the temptation. In verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for, for food and pleasing to the eye, she sees that, you know, yeah, she is questioning God's word. She's questioning God's authority and she's questioning God's goodness. She takes uh, of the food and she eats. 
This is also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So we immediately see in that kind of uh, sin cycle here, we've got uh, temptation, we s- there's sin, and then shame immediately enters, that they see that they are naked. Uh, if we go back to the very last verse of Genesis chapter 2, we'll see that they were uh, naked and not ashamed, which is like this amazing picture of not just physical nakedness, but emotional nakedness, but uh, of, of relational nakedness, like everything was just out on the table like we are one together and and this is good and there's no shame there's no guilt there's nothing dividing us together here and then as soon as sin enters we see that that bond is broken that there is sin has entered and where sin has entered shame has entered and they are now see that they're naked and in need uh, to cover themselves is very similar to the cycle that we find ourselves in. But in every um, kind of like cycle also, there's usually or there's always some kind of consequence as well. And this is where we'll pick it back up in verse 8. So then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walks in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And I think this verse like kind of gets skipped over somewhat as like maybe the one of the saddest verses in all of scripture uh, that we see that there is uh, a shame has entered that sin has entered and the consequence of them like receiving this shame or this guilt is that they actually hide from God, that there's now separation from God. And some uh, would say, or there's a, a specific kind of uh, a, a theologian, a commentary that would say uh, that they gained the knowledge but lost the relationship. They gained the knowledge but lost the relationship. Eve and Adam and Eve saw that it was good for wisdom and they ate of the fruit but they hide from God. And this is so true for us as well. Um, If you're anything like me, shame of my sin often causes me to want to hide from the Lord. And it's been happening from the beginning. It's one of the saddest places that, that I think we can find ourselves, that we run away from what's best for us because of the shame that we're feeling of what we've done that is wrong. But again, God's going to provide. We'll get there. But the Lord, gal- g- the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, just a quick side note here. This is just, uh, this is less uh, bible and more just kind of a, maybe a general principle for relationships with other human beings. One thing I really appreciate about that last, uh, those last couple of verses here um, is that if you notice, like, like God is not unaware of the sin that's taken place, right? Like God is aware of everything that happens. He's all-knowing. And so he's, it's not like he doesn't know uh, that they had sinned or that they, you know, he's asking the question, who told you that you were naked, all of that. It's not like God doesn't know, but he doesn't come straight at them with the, what have you done? How could you have done this? What are you, like, what are, how are you going to fix this? Like, like, just a straight attack with, like, statements. He's questioning, and I would say just like in our own personal relationships with each other, even when we feel wronged, even when we feel like someone else has done something against us, like, a, a, a a best practice, a way to go about that is to, to ask questions like, hey, wh- how, why did, like, did you know how this was going to affect me? Did, did you, uh, or what, what was kind of going through your mind as you were doing this? Like, this is how I felt about it, that kind of thing. Again, 
just a bonus, um, but just a, a, a way that God kind of presents it to the man and the woman after he sees uh, or after he knows of their sin. Verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, <laughs> the woman that you put here with me, it's the first time that man had to sleep on the couch, um, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Notice how nobody wants to take uh, responsibility here. Um, it was the woman, it was the serpent. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Um, it's kind of just like a interesting thought here that like, like so uh, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe that snakes have a hard time, like, uh, smelling. And so that's why they do, like, the tongue thing. Um, and so that they actually, like, gather in what's around them or the sense from the, uh, the air. And they're so close to the ground, like, they're literally, like, like their tongue is actually gathering dust. Um, so we actually see this kind of taking place, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is kind of a foreshadowing to Jesus conquering uh, Satan through uh, his death, burial, and resurrection. And to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And the point of kind of highlighting all of that consequence is to just say that we have consequences for our sins, whether it be uh, that we are separated from God from the beginning or whether it be that we break relationships with those that we have wronged or even uh, carry shame and guilt in ourselves or whether it be uh, that even after, uh, kind of like I said before, putting our faith in Jesus, that relationship's been established, salvation's been established, but there's a separation that happens that we feel this kind of shame to hide from the Lord or, or this idea that we like, kind of just have this relational strife um, between us, there's, there's always a consequence to shame, uh, to sin, sorry. There's always a consequence to sin. And so uh, just for a second, just kind of reflecting on that, like have you ever felt in your life, have you ever recognized in the same way that Adam and Eve did in the garden, have you ever recognized this cycle take place of temptation, of sin, of shame, and of consequences? I think we all have. I think we all do, we all experience it, unfortunately, on a regular basis. But, but, we're going to see here in the end that God has been always providing. In verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Immediately, God sees that they have this shame. They've got this idea that they are no longer, um, uh, have this connection with each other. There's, they're no longer perfect or they're no longer ignorant to the, the nakedness that's happening between them, but they must clothe themselves. And God says, I'm, even though, even though I created this perfect place for you to be and I didn't, like the, the nakedness was not an issue and this is not what my initial creation was, I'm going to physically provide to cover the shame that you're feeling. 
And again, this is also a, a, a foreshadowing to Jesus' death and clothing us in his righteousness, that our shame is taken away and covered over. But God's automatically, like, already physically providing for the needs of Adam and Eve the moment after he kind of lays out the consequences. But here's how I'm going to provide for you. Verse 22, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, you could read this, and we could go back to uh, some of the ways that Satan was tempting Adam and Eve, that, well, God just doesn't want us to be like him. God just doesn't want us to be, uh, have the same knowledge or power or eternal life. Um, and, and, and there may be just like there's this, you know, separation from this perfect place. Uh, that, that, that they are no longer to be in the garden where everything is right, where everything is good as God had created it, and that th- since sin has entered and shame has entered, they, they just no longer have a place. So that could be the explanation. But I would offer this morning, I would offer a, 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 a different explanation. This is my belief of what God is doing here. That God is actually providing again. He's providing a spiritual opportunity for restoration for Adam and Eve. If you think about, like, it, it, just process this with me. So if, if, uh, if they have been disobedient, if sin has entered, if shame has entered, and their eyes have been opened, and the state that they were in has been altered, that there's this blissful, uh, perfect state that they were in prior to the fall, and yet now that they've, that's been shattered, that this perfect state has been broken, if they were to eat of this tree of life and live forever, they would be in eternity in this broken state. But yet, because they are kicked out, because they are blocked from eating of this tree, they now have the opportunity to live through the rest of their life, uh, to die, and as we see in Jesus' case, to resurrect and offer salvation and an eternity back in this blissful, perfect state again. Like it's a second chance that we, they were actually kicked out of the garden. That, that, that's what I believe. That's what I believe God was providing for them in that moment, that there was just an opportunity for redemption. And, uh, and I think that I, I just can't get over sometimes how, like, how good God can be in those moments. Like there's one rule. There's one rule. Don't eat of this one tree. We don't know how many, there's, there's all these trees around that you can eat from. And yet, like, they're disobedient. And then immediately God goes into his restoration plan. God, goes, God shifts gears into, into redemption. I'm going to send my son to save the souls of, of many who will put their faith in him. And so here's where I kind of just want to wrap up this morning. Um, that wherever you have entered into the room, whether you are a believer in Jesus, whether you believe this idea of, of sin uh, and death of Jesus and, and the, the resurrection that can uh, restore us, um, the reality is that this, this cycle is happening and redemption uh, through Jesus is the only way to cover over these sins, to cover over our shame and guilt and to have the opportunity for this perfect eternity that's t- set in front of us. And so uh, I want to just pray for us for a moment. And if you would, um, with me, uh, if you would just close your eyes. And, uh, and if you're comfortable, if you feel led to kind of put out your hands and just a uh, receiving posture, and just to acknowledge for a second, um, God, I, however you entered, um, God, I acknowledge that I have sinned. 
and I acknowledge that you have provided redemption and restoration for me. And God, I'm thankful for that provision, and I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to, to lean into what you have given me, God, that you continue to provide for me physically, provide for me spiritually, and God, I just want to, uh, whatever it may be that I'm currently stuck in, whatever cycle that I'm currently stuck in, um, if, if you're in that place right now where you, you not only acknowledge, yes, this sin cycle has happened to me before, but I'm currently experiencing on a regular basis this idea that, that I, I am tempted and then I sin and then my shame leads me back into temptation or I, I have consequences that lead me back into temptation. The cycle starts all over again and, and I'm just in that place right now. I just want to offer you that there is this exit ramp that God has for you. And so if you'd pray with me, God, thank you again for your redemption. Thank you for the offering of salvation through your Son. My faith is in that and not in my own good deeds. Jesus, you've been so good to me. I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have two community groups that meet every other Tuesday and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.